I want to emphasize again our mission statement or our vision statement for 2017. We're going to have it on the board here. If you would read it with me, please. Empowering each other to relentlessly pursue the unchurched so that they become contagious followers of Jesus. We preached uh, through that in the month of January, and it reminds us that we all are to relentlessly pursue the unchurched. This is a mission that Jesus has given to us, and He has given to us the Holy Spirit to help us accomplish that mission. And we are not just after decisions, although we love it when people make decisions for Jesus. Last Sunday, there were a couple of college girls who came and they gave their life to Jesus through repentance and Christian baptism. It was a day that we had great celebration in their behalf. But that's not where it stops. We know that. For those of us who have given our life to Jesus, we know that it's much more than just that initial decision to follow Jesus. It is a decision to follow Him our whole life. Life. We should become contagious followers of Jesus. We are to grow up in Jesus. And of course, that growth doesn't happen overnight. Rather, it is a lifetime of growing and maturing in Him. Just as an athlete who wants to stay physically fit needs to exercise and discipline his body, so too a Christian needs to who wants to be spiritually fit, needs to exercise his faith or her faith. We need to discipline ourselves. Spiritual maturity does not happen without some serious discipline and hard work. And the term, as you've seen on the screen, and Dusty has alluded to it this morning, the term that we have come up with and that we are challenging you with in this year is that you be a CrossFit Christian. In other words, we are, we are challenging you to exercise your faith. James talks about a faith that is working rather than a faith that is dead. I could say it this way. Be disciplined in your faith. Paul said this to Timothy, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things. If you want to have godliness in your life and spiritual maturity, it is going to take some effort on your part. And that is, that's true for me too. Nobody becomes spiritually mature without hard work and discipline. Now, am I saying that, that we do all of these things to earn our salvation? Absolutely not. We are saved by His grace. But His grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Now, as you read that verse, nowhere in that verse does the word discipline appear. But as you read it, you see that the word discipline or the idea of discipline is written all over that verse. 
God's amazing grace, which is the context of where that verse is at, teaches us or it instructs us towards spiritually disciplined lives. And our staff has talked and we have come up with eight disciplines that if we practice them, it will help us to become a CrossFit Christian. Now, of course, these eight disciplines are not a list of things that that we have come up with. Rather, they are substantiated in Scripture. These are disciplines that Jesus Himself has given a thumbs up to. In February, we talked about going. Dusty mentioned that to you a few few minutes ago. As we're already into the month of March, a few days, we're going to be talking about another discipline, the discipline of praying. And all this month, we are going to challenge you in this particular discipline. Next Sunday, uh, Tim Woodring will preach on this subject. The third Sunday of the month, I'll be back in the pulpit preaching on this discipline of prayer. In the four, on the fourth Sunday of the month, the, t- the 26th of this month, you're going to hear from my son-in-law, Luke Proctor. Uh, Luke and I actually are trading pulpits. Uh, I'm going to Sheldon, Missouri, and I'm going to be preaching at his church there in Sheldon. And Luke's going to come here, and he's going to preach to you on the subject of prayer. And so all month long, you're going to hear a challenge in this particular discipline, the discipline of praying. Let me begin this morning by simply giving to you a testimony of my life. I grew up in the church and uh, had Christian teaching all of my life. I accepted Jesus when I was nine years old. And probably for the next nine years, I lived underneath the umbrella of my parents' faith. And maybe some of you could relate to this kind of a testimony. For my family, church was just something we did on a regular basis. Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church. That was a part of our family's routine. And when summer came, I did summer church camp. I did vacation Bible school. If the youth group did something special, I was there. And all of this, I'm sure, was helping feed into my life the truth of God's Word, helping me to become the person that I was and that I am even to this day. I remember my brother Tom, my older brother Tom, actually became the senior minister at my home church, O'Fallon, Missouri, probably somewhere in my eighth grade year. And he was there all through those high school years of mine. He was a big influence on my life. But still, through all of this, I was living underneath the umbrella of my parents' faith. In the fall of 1977, I went to Ozark Bible College, as it was then called. I began to hear a lot of teaching about the importance of praying to God. I remember taking a class on personal evangelism from a professor named Don DeWelt, and it was interesting to me that as I went through that class, the first six weeks of that class, he hardly talked about uh, evangelism at all. He talked about prayer. 
And what he said was this, if you want to be a soul winner, you first better be a prayer warrior. And that impacted me. In fact, he impacted me. He seemed to just glow with the presence of God in his life. That same semester, I went back to O'Fallon, Missouri, to my home church for a weekend seminar that was called Change the World School of Prayer. And over that three-day weekend, probably I sat under 10 to 12 hours of teaching on the subject of prayer. And I went back to Ozark after that weekend with a commitment in my heart that I was going to get serious about prayer. And over the months that followed, I did get serious about prayer. And I met with God regularly for about an hour. I tried to meet with Him every day for an hour. And I'm sure there were times, there were days that I may have missed here and there. But but I can honestly say, nearly every day I was with Him, in His presence, talking to Him, listening to Him, worshiping Him. And I want you to know, my life changed. My faith was no longer my parents' faith. It had become now my faith. And it was growing and it was real. And he was real. And I was feeling a sense of excitement about my faith that I had never felt before. I actually anticipated those times that I would spend with Him. If the weather was unbearably cold, I would have my my time with Him in my room. But if it was not just so unbearably cold outside, I would go outside and I would just walk and I would be with Him and talk with Him. I didn't then have the distraction of a roommate around me. And it was just God and me. And I learned to praise Him. And I learned to be more thankful to Him. And I became more uh, acquainted with intercessory prayer. My life transformed when I began to meet with God regularly in the prayer closet. And I tell you all of that hoping to spur some of you on to a deeper walk with Jesus. If you're already a prayer warrior, then probably you know what I'm saying is true because you've experienced that in your own life as you spend time with Him, worshiping Him, loving Him, becoming intimate with Him. You know what it does to your life. If you're one who is really not serious about prayer, then I would bet that there's a pretty good chance that oftentimes you may feel just kind of blasé about your walk with Him. Maybe there's not a lot of life there or excitement. Maybe you feel like you're just kind of up and down in your walk and, 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 and maybe even more down than up. Maybe you feel like you're just sometimes going through the motions and, and you're wondering if, if, if you can really hold on when that heaviness comes down upon you from this world. 
Could I encourage you to get serious about this discipline of prayer? I'm not talking about a magic lamp that you rub, but rather I am talking about connecting with the giver of life. And when you connect with him, his life flows into your veins. Let me give to you this morning some reasons to pray. And first of all, simply this, Jesus prayed. And really, I'm thinking that should be enough for us right there. If he prayed, then we should pray. Because he is the one whom we're trying to be like. Let me read to you Mark chapter 1, verse 35. If you're uh, having your Bibles with you this morning, follow along with me here as we look at the prayer life of Jesus. Chapter 1 of Mark, verse 35, says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Now, if you take the time to look at the preceding verses, you will see that Jesus was a very busy fellow. People were seeking his attention. They needed him. Verse 33 says, the whole city had gathered at the door. People were, they were bidding for his attention All through the day, the crowds were pursuing him at this point in his ministry. Verses 36 and 37 of that same chapter, Simon and his companions searched for him. He's out to a lonely place and he's praying. Simon and his companions searched for him and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Think about it. From morning to night, people were needing his attention. And so what did he do? He got up earlier than what they did so that he could pray to his heavenly Father. Look with me at Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. He needed that time with his heavenly Father. Chapter 6 of Luke, verse 12. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. If you read the context, this is just prior to his choosing 12 men who would become his disciples. And I'm I'm just thinking in my mind, maybe if we spent extended times in prayer to God before making big decisions, then that would help us in making right decisions. Look with me at Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. And it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he questioned them, saying, Who do the people say that I am? Now, if you know the context here, the verses that follow, you know that this is when Peter stepped up, and he made the great confession that he believed Jesus 
was the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you know what happens immediately after that, you know that this is the first time that Jesus informs his disciples that he was soon going to die. He's going to suffer at the hands of of, of the religious leaders. They're going to kill him. And on the third day, he's going to raise up from the dead. What was he doing prior to telling them that very important message? He was praying to God. Chapter 9, verse 28 and 29. Some eight days after these sayings, he took along Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. I could go on for several more minutes reading to you the different passages of Scripture in the Gospels about Jesus' prayer life. I'm thinking that if He was committed to prayer, surely we should be committing ourselves to prayer too. Let me give to you a second reason for prayer. The Bible commands us to pray. If reason number one isn't enough, then surely reason number two should seal the deal. God commands us to pray through His Word. Romans chapter 12, verse 12, talks about us being devoted to prayer. That's how the New American Standard translates that verse, that we should be devoted to prayer. If you're reading from a different translation, it may Read it a little bit differently than that. The New International Version says, Be faithful in prayer. The New Living Translation says, Keep on praying. The New King James Version says, Continue steadfastly in prayer. Interestingly, five of the ten times that this word devoted is used in the New Testament, it has to do with prayer. Acts chapter 1, verse 14, the disciples were waiting in the upper room. What is it they were waiting for? They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come to them. And as they are waiting, it says that they were devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 2.42 says of the early disciples in the church that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to what? Prayer. Notice how this word is used over and over again in reference to prayer. Chapter 6 of Acts, verse 4, the apostles were appointing deacons in the church to take care of the widows who were in need of of, uh, food and help and assistance because they said, we want to devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul writes this, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. I, I really think from the New Testament, it would be fair to say that the normal Christian life is a life devoted to prayer. Let that sink in for a moment. From the New Testament, a normal Christian life 
is one that is devoted to prayer. And so the question that I would like to present to you today, and to me too, is this true of us? Are we devoted to prayer? Are we continuing steadfastly in prayer? I like what John Piper said about this, and I quote, It does not mean that prayer is all you do, any more than being devoted to a wife means all the husband does is hang out with his wife. But his devotion to her affects everything in his life and causes him to give himself to her in many different ways. So, being devoted to prayer doesn't mean that all you do is pray, although, he says, uh, Paul does say in another place, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. But what it means is that there will be a pattern of praying that looks like devotion to prayer. Now, it won't be the same for everyone, he says. But it will be something significant. Being devoted to prayer looks different from not being devoted to prayer. And God knows the difference. He will call us to account. Have we been devoted to prayer? Is there a pattern of praying in your life that you can fairly be called being devoted to prayer? He continues on to say this, I think most of us would agree on some kinds of praying that would not be called being devoted to prayer. For instance, he says, praying only as crises enter your life would not be a pattern of devotion to prayer. Praying only at mealtimes is a pattern, but does it correspond to Paul's exhorting the church to be devoted to prayer? A short, now I lay me down to sleep prayer at the end of the day is probably not being devoted to prayer. Hit and miss, Lord help me, in the case that you need a parking place is not being devoted to prayer. All those are good, but I think we would agree that Paul expects something more and different from followers of Christ when he says, be devoted to prayer. Wow, I, I read that. I thought, he's really striking a chord there, I think, for so many of us. Are we devoted to prayer? Or is it more what those, those examples that he gave of, of when a crisis comes, yeah, then we cry out to God. And we should cry out to him when there is a crisis. But our prayer life should be more than just when there is a crisis present in our life. And it should be more than just when we sit down and have a quick prayer before we eat or a prayer before we lay our head on the pillow and fall asleep. Now, What it means to be devoted to prayer, as he said, is going to look a whole lot different from one person to the next. But that's where you and I, each one, need to go before the Lord and live before him in integrity and and just let it happen. Cry out to God. Get Get in a pattern, get in a a habit of going to God in prayer on a regular basis and getting to know him 
My point is, we pray because the Bible commands us to pray. And and a third reason is this. Our relationship with God is enhanced through prayer. In the same way that my relationship with my wife Cindy is made better by my being with her and talking to her and listening to her talk, so too my relationship with God is made better by my spending time with Him in the prayer closet. I feel that closeness and I feel the effects of being with Him. As I have chosen to abide in Him, His joy is going to be mine and His peace and His love and His comfort. As I give praise to Him and as I uh, am, am offering thanksgiving up to Him, how can I not reap the blessings of being in His presence? The psalmist said it this way, chapter 34, verse 8, How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Your commitment... Your commitment to praying is going to enhance your relationship with God. Let me give to you one final reason to pray, and that is this. There is great power in prayer. Your prayers and my prayers can make a difference, not not because of us, but because of Him. He is the all-powerful one. And when we cry out to Him, mountains can be moved. Jesus said this in Matthew 17, 20, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Brothers and sisters, the power of prayer is a door that we cannot leave locked. You hear me say that? The power of prayer is a door that we cannot leave locked. We have got to unlock that door. Because there are are yet things that need to be done that could be done if we would just pray. Think about what could be done. Souls could be saved. Lives could be changed. Marriages could be made better. Prodigal children could come home. Addictions could be overcome. Miracles of healing could happen if we would pray in faith. I'm excited about this month to come, this month of preaching that is ahead of us because I know what could happen in our individual lives first and then in our church after that if we would become serious 
about praying. But it's just like any other discipline. It takes effort on our part. And it, it takes a willpower. And, and it takes you controlling your schedule. It takes you putting God into your schedule as a priority. And yes, we pray through the day as we live our life, as we're driving, as we're running, as we're, as we're going to the grocery store, as we're coming home from school, as we're coming home from work. We are, we are praying through the day, but there needs to be some time where we would just have time with Him. And so, it takes discipline. And it's so easy for us to, to know that that's something we should do, and I'm going to get around to that, but it's just so easy to put it off, and I'll take care of that time later, and later never comes. We must discipline ourselves to praying, and when we do, there are great things in store for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to become, to become more a people of prayer. Lord, for those that are here today who are already serious about prayer, would you, would you just grow them in their intimacy with you? And Lord, for anyone that may not be serious about prayer in their life, that you would lay it on their heart to have that discipline to become a man or a woman of prayer. Help our church to be committed to prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Dusty's challenged you in this idea of coming and grabbing a name and praying for that person by name for their soul to be saved. I want to I echo that. But maybe in this, maybe this day, maybe in this month, there will come a time that God's going to lay it on your heart to come and just kneel and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to get serious about prayer in my life. I want to invite you to the altar to make a commitment between you and God to be serious about this discipline of prayer. Let's stand together.